Grace and peace to you. We uh, welcome you here this morning. If you're a visitor, we're, we're grateful for your presence today. You know, if you have uh, any questions about worship or this uh, church, feel free to ask one of our members or one of our leaders or myself. Uh, we recently began a new series where we are looking at the message behind some of the songs that we often hear this time of year. And so I, I hope and pray that, that you are encouraged and, and edified today. On a Christmas Eve, 1906, the first radio broadcast ever was made. Reginald Fissenden had set up a location um, not far from Plymouth, Massachusetts. And he had notified ships three days earlier that he would broadcast speech, music, and singing. Now, prior to this, it was possible to send Morse code. Uh, But Reginald had discovered that if you combined two frequencies, you could speak over the airwaves. And at exactly 9 o'clock p.m., Reginald began to broadcast. He started with a recording from one of Handel's operas. And this was followed by a scripture reading of Luke 2 and verse 14. And then a rendition of O Holy Night performed by Reginald himself. Now we take listening to the radio for granted nowadays, but it's only been around for a little over 100 years. And the first song ever played on the radio was the carol that we're looking at this morning. Oh, Holy Night. The song dates back to the year 1847 when the words were written by Placid Capot in France. And that same year, Adolphe Adam, an opera composer in Paris, that may uh, tell you why it's a a difficult song to lead and to sing, uh, but, but Steve did a wonderful job and the congregation did as well this morning. But but he's the one who who wrote the music to go along with it. Now, in our hymn book, you'll notice that credit is given to John Dwight, who in 1855 translated the song into English. And Dwight's translation is not anywhere close to being literal. And so he made various changes to it, and that's why he's given writing credit. Songs have played an important part in the life of the church. It has only been in in recent years that that most people have enjoyed the ability to read. Uh, Before literacy rates were so high, songs and hymns were one way that uh, people could, could learn what is taught in Scripture. Even though most people can read nowadays, we still learn from songs. In fact, the message of a song often sticks with us Longer than the message of a sermon or a Bible class. So what is this song all about? Well, the first verse invites us to reflect on the night that Jesus was born. And this was a moment that the people of God had been anticipating for many, many years. And this is beautifully described in the very first lines. Long lay the world in sin And error pining, he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. This time of year is a celebration. 
people who aren't even very religious, maybe not religious at all, embrace the story of Jesus being born. And this is a wonderful thing, but we must also remember to make it known why Jesus had to come to earth. People need to know why God took on flesh. It was because sin entered into the world and sin corrupted God's good creation. And everyone who has reached the age of accountability is guilty. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. These famous words from Paul in the book of Romans are paraphrased in a poetic way in this song. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And it is important that we not rush through this part of the song too quickly. These are the words that we need to hear and understand before we ever get to the good news. Because if we fail to understand our own condition before God, the good news is not going to do us any good. We are in desperate need of someone to rescue us. The next line is equally important. He appeared and the soul felt its worth. Why did Jesus come to earth? Well, he came to rescue us from sin and death. And that should be our first response. But that's not the only reason why Jesus came. He came to reveal to us what real humanity and real life looks like. And so every human being is created in the image of God. But this image becomes distorted when we sin. And so to sin is to act in a way that is less than human. It is to treat other people around us in a way that is less than human. And the more that we sin, the more that we are separated from who it is that we ought to be. Living in sin leads us away from God. When we encounter Christ, we are reminded of who it is we are to be. And only in the presence of Christ do we come to know our true worth. You are somebody. You are of great value and worth. You are a person created in the image of God. You have been entrusted with an important mission. Now, Satan would like us not to believe any of that. He would like us to think that we are nobodies. He, would, he wants to rob our soul of its worth. But when we focus on Christ, Satan cannot do anything to us. When Jesus was born in a manger, that moment itself was a blow against Satan because people were able to see what it is we are to become. We are to be like Jesus. The second verses uh, focus on how we are led by the light to Christ. And so the, the wise men were led by a star, a literal light in the sky. But this story should remind us that this is how we are all led to Christ. We are called to be a light to the world so that others will come to know Jesus. And the light that, that we shine is a reflection of the light of Jesus. 
as we live like Him, we are a light in the darkness. This baby born in a manger in Bethlehem was no ordinary child. This was a a special occasion. It was a world-changing event. This child was God in the flesh, the creator of the universe, the king of kings. Now, when we think of a king, we may think of someone who is somewhat unlike us. Most of the time, the, the king is someone who is distant. Most people are not allowed to get close to him. But this was not the case with this king. He was different. He came for us. And the song reflects this important fact. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials born to be our friend. He knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. A king born in a manger. That image never gets old because it's so radical. And we learn that God identifies with us from the very first moment that he enters into this world. Very few people live a privileged life. The vast majority of people in the world are poor. They live in subpar conditions. They may not have clean water to drink or enough food to eat. How do they know that God cares? One way that they know is by looking at the life of Jesus. He's able to identify with them, but not them only. He's able to identify with every human being. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so in God, we always have someone who understands what it is that we are going through. And we can talk to Him, we can lean on Him, and we should know that He always wants us to succeed. And so reflecting on how God entered the world should always encourage us. It shows just how far God was willing to go to help us. And and we need to understand that God suffers before he ever gets to the cross. So that he will know and understand that the pain and agony we sometimes endure, what what it's like. He voluntarily takes a walk in our shoes. And if we only equate the suffering of Jesus with the cross, then we miss out on what God set out to do by choosing a lowly birth. Every sacrifice he made from the cradle to the grave was for you and me. And this is why it's important to consider on a regular basis the birth of Jesus. The final verse tells us what Jesus gave to us, but it's also a reminder of how we are to live. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. And so Jesus teaches us a new way to live. 
And this new way is, is founded on two commands, to, to love God, to love one another. And we see in the gospel, Jesus loving his family. He, he loved his mother. And he made sure that she was going to be cared for after his death. He loved his friends. He, he loved the disciples. He put up with their shortcomings. And there were many. And they were able to flourish under his tutelage. And he even loved his enemies and forgave them as they were in the act of crucifying him. And so this example of love is what it is we are to follow. And the song reminds us that oppression is alive and well in this world. But the vision of the gospel is one where oppression is no more. We're never to treat another human being as less than we are. We're never to treat another soul as inferior. Because they are created in the image of God just as you and I. And part of God's mission is to eradicate the world of oppression. This is what justice and righteousness is all about. To do what is just, to do what is right. Since this is God's mission, it is ours as well. And so wherever oppression exists, we should do our part to stand against it. On the day Jesus was born, angels and a heavenly host cried out, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God's desire is for peace on earth. He wants the instruments of war to be turned into farm tools. He wants fighting to cease and for humanity to flourish. And we read this throughout the Bible, but it is significant that a proclamation of peace is made on the very day that Jesus takes on flesh. We recognize here that this is something that is dear to God's heart. And one day when Jesus comes again, this will become a reality. But until then, we must do our part to make it one. This is the vision that, that we are entrusted with to, to live out in our everyday lives. And so we are to love one another and encourage peace wherever we can. Songs can be quite powerful. They can uh, create realities that we never imagined possible. One day on Christmas Eve in 1870, during the middle of the Franco-Prussian War, a French soldier stood up out of the trench and began singing, O Holy Night, in his native tongue. The Prussians on the other side would not have understood the words, but they did recognize the tune, and they replied by singing, O Holy Night, in their own language. The world is nowhere close to being a peaceful place, but it is encouraging that for one night on a Christmas Eve in the midst of a war, a song could cause two sides to lay down their weapons to, and to sing about the birth of Jesus. Why talk about songs? 
Why do a, a sermon series on, on the songs that we sometimes hear? It's because sometimes a song can do what a sermon cannot. And the message in these Christmas carols is a very important one. It is a message about Jesus and what he was willing to do for all of us. It is a message of hope, joy, and salvation. And these songs are are sometimes able to go where a person preaching a sermon cannot. And they are heard by people who may never enter a church building. Songs are quite powerful. And we should be grateful they are proclaiming the gospel all around the world. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. May more and more people come to know the truth about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we are so grateful that you sent your son to this earth to take on flesh and to be born among us. And we pray that we recognize all the sacrifices that he made. We're so grateful for what he did for us on the cross, but but we must understand that He did more than that. That he had a lowly birth. And that he did not have much on this earth. And that he identified with us in every way possible. This is good news. And we pray that we will take it with us and that we will be a light to this world. And lead others to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.